Well, good morning. Welcome to our service here from Elgin Baptist Church. As we enter into the time of Advent, let us hear from the opening verses of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and of truth. Let us sing our opening hymn, You're the Word of God the Father, followed by Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. Father God, as we come to you this morning we thank you that we come to the creator God we thank you for your power in creation we thank you that you not only created but you sustain all things and we come and we bow in your presence for you are a holy God and we come in the only way that is possible through the name and the work of the Lord Jesus, the one who stepped down into the darkness, the one who brings light to all. And we confess before you our sins and shortcomings. And we thank you that you are a forgiving God. And we pray, Lord, for your forgiveness and for your cleansing. We thank you for all your benefits towards us. We thank you, Father, for health and strength. We thank you for food and clothing and homes. We, we, we thank you for every good, perfect gift that comes from you. Forgive us when we take so much of what we have for granted. And Lord, we pray for those who are struggling this day. We pray, Father, for those who are mourning. We pray that you would comfort them. We pray for those who are ill, knowing that you are the great physician, that you can heal. We pray for those who are anxious at this time, Lord, that they would know what it is to cast all their anxiety on you, for you're the God who cares. And Lord, we continue to pray into the whole coronavirus situation. We thank you for uh, the recent 
vaccinations that have been discovered, Lord, and, and we thank you for those who, who are working to that end, and, and we pray for success there, Lord. We pray for all who are working uh, within our NHS, our doctors, our nurses, our porters, and everyone connected. We, we thank you for their dedication and for their service. And Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would intervene. You are all-powerful, Lord, and, and you can bring it to an end. And, and we long for that day. We long for that day, Lord, when we can gather here in this place with a full church and, and lift our voice in praise and in worship, Lord. We, we long uh, for that day to come, Lord, and, and, and we just look to you to intervene in such a way that will make that possible. Yet as we gather, as we do, we thank you uh, for the technology that enables us to continue to meet like this. We thank you for those who, who, who work behind the scenes, putting it all together. And our desire this morning, Lord, is that we might meet with you. So we just commit our time to you now. And we do so in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, boys and girls, I hope you're getting excited. Advent time has started. The Christmas tree is up in the church. And I'm sure that you know what, what these are. Christmas lights. And I'm sure that you'll have fun putting them up on your tree in the next week or so. At this time of year, as we look around, we see lights absolutely everywhere. There are trees that are adorned with all the lights. The streets are lined with lights and decorations. Homes and businesses have got lights outside them, lots of lights outside them. When I was younger, one of my favourite things about Christmas time was when my dad would drive around and we would look at all the different lights in Glasgow. And all of that reminds me of a verse from John's Gospel that says this, that, and we read it earlier, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. That light was Jesus. So as you see all the Christmas lights getting put up, and as you see them all shining brightly, I want you to remember, boys and girls, that Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus came down and to, into the earth to save us from all the darkness of sin. And when we believe in Jesus, then Jesus tells us that we also are to be lights. We are to be lights that shine for him. So we're going to sing about that in a little song now. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you stepped down into the darkness. We thank you, Jesus, that you are indeed the light of the world. And we pray that you will help us all to shine brightly for you this week, wherever we go. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning's reading is taken from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we're going to read all of the chapter. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, 
For not everyone is faith, but the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is a distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We read there in verse 5, Paul praying that we may be led into God's love. Let us sing about that love now as we are reminded of how vast it is. How vast the love. Father, we do thank you for the vastness of your love. For its height, for its width, for its breadth. May you indeed direct our hearts deeper into it. And we ask now for the help of the Holy Spirit as we turn to your word. Speak to us through it, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On becoming president of the USA, Lyndon B. Johnston said this, No man can live where I live, nor work at the desk where I work without needing and seeking the strength and the support of earnest and frequent prayer. Oh, that many more of our leaders in this day and age would openly acknowledge that. And of course, as Christians, we are called, we are commanded to pray for those in authority. Paul, as we have seen throughout this letter, these two letters, and indeed in all of Paul's letters, often prays for those to whom he writes. But as he draws this letter to an end, we see that it is he, Paul, the great apostle, that stands in need of prayer. Just as he has prayed for them, so he asks that they may pray for him. 
So as we draw our studies in these two letters to a close, let us notice three things from these verses. In verses 1 to 5, we see Paul's request. In verses 6 to 15, we see Paul's command. And in verses 16 to 18, we see Paul's greeting. So first of all, Paul's request. And two, if you like, subheadings here. Because we see that Paul prays for one, the spreading of the word, and two, the protecting of the workers. The spreading of the word and the protecting of the workers. So firstly, he asks that they would pray that the message of the Lord, that is the gospel, may spread rapidly and it may be honoured just as it was with you, just as it was with in, in Thessalonica. Why does Paul ask that the gospel may spread rapidly? Well, I think it shows us that there is an urgency, that there is no time to waste. He, he, he has, as we have been seeing, speaking about the Lord's return. He has been outlining the dire situation of those who refuse to believe this message. And, and there are still many who were, were to even hear it. The fact, friends, that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned makes the spreading of the gospel of paramount importance. Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 15, speaks of it as of first importance. You see, this gospel, this message is good news. Everybody needs to hear it. This message is life-changing news because this message brings forgiveness and peace and joy and life eternal. Writing again to, to the church in Corinth, Paul says this, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what drove the Apostle Paul. What do you see as people's greatest need. Recent uh, discoveries and, and possible vaccines for the coronavirus has rightly got people excited. News of it is greatly welcomed. It, it is greatly needed. But friends, uh, there is a virus that is worse than COVID-19. It is called sin. And if you allow me to follow through with my illustration here, the vaccine for that is already available. And it's not 70 or 80 or 90 or 99.999 effective. It is 100% effective. And that vaccine is the gospel and the forgiveness that it brings through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, may that message spread rapidly in our day just as it did in Thessalonica. How, how was that? Well, as verse 5 of chapter 1 reminds us, the gospel came not simply with words, but it came with 
power and it came with the Holy Spirit and it brought deep conviction. Brothers and sisters, that is why and, and for what we are praying here in the church every Wednesday night. That God would move in reviving power. The need to rapidly spread the gospel is as great, if not greater today than ever before. May we be a church who not only believe, but who spread the gospel. That being said, Paul knew more than anyone else the dangers that that can and will bring. And that is why he prays not just for the spreading of the gospel, but for the protection of the workers. May we be delivered from wicked and evil men. We have seen, haven't we, how persecution affected this church. We have seen the attempts to, to halt the gospel through either outright opposition, including violence, or, or through false teaching. You see, friends, we need to remind ourselves we are in a spiritual battle. As Paul says, not everyone has faith. Not everyone believes. And the man of lawlessness will do all that he can to disrupt the work. Yet notice how Paul reminds them and us that the Lord is faithful. And the Lord will strengthen and the Lord will protect. And, and it's amazing because his request for prayer for himself actually finishes with him again commending them for everything that they are doing and he commits them to God's love and to Christ's perseverance. Brothers and sisters, may the message spread rapidly here in our community and may we all know God's protecting. Then in verses 6 to 15, we read concerning Paul's command. These verses are, in many ways, the most hard-hitting in all of them, in, in both letters. And, and it contains a direct command to the church. Although in chapter 1 of the first letter they are described as a model church, there was obviously an issue that was threatening to disrupt the unity and the love that they have for one another. And Paul has got to address it. And in addressing it, in verse 6, he uses strong language and he invokes his apostolic authority when he says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you. The scholars tell us, that the word command, a word that he has used previously in verse 4, and he also used it in the first letter of chapter 4, verses 2 and 11, it's actually a military term. It means a military order that is handed down from a superior officer. And the command is quite clear. Keep away from every brother who is idle, and who does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. So, so it would seem that the problem was twofold. There was a problem of idleness and of disobedience. 
he had previously written about the idleness back in chapter 5, verse 14 of the first letter, but it would seem that that has fallen on deaf ears, for he's got to return to it once again here in this letter. And he does so in a much clearer and stronger tone. But what was the idleness? Well, many see it being that some had, had kind of given up work and, and everything else to, to, as it were, just sit around and wait for the Lord's return and expected the rest of the church to provide for them. They were idle. Yet in verse 11, if you notice carefully, Paul picks up again that word idle and he says that it's not that you, they are busy, but busy bodies, well, kind of, in my experience, busy bodies are far from idle. So it seems to me that it's not that they were inactive, but rather they were involved in the wrong kind of activity. However, whatever it was, whatever it was, and, and we have to acknowledge here our ignorance, it was enough for Paul to call it out and to pass on what steps needed to be done regarding it. And he says in verse 14, keep away from them. Do not associate with them. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Wow. All sounds rather harsh, does it not? Or is it? You see, if something is wrong, then it needs to be addressed. If there is someone or there is a group who are openly disobeying in, in, in whatever matter, and, and in some ways the exact issue is not important, it's a principle here. You, you can't let it go on. Because if you do, it is a recipe for even further problems down the line. You see, when a problem is allowed to fester, it only gets worse. My mum used to tell me, the more you brush under the carpet, the bigger the pile you will have to trip over. And to a certain degree, as I said there, the actual problem is secondary to how it is dealt with. Dealing with it is what matters. And Paul is clear. Here, it may call for a time of distancing. But as you do distance, do not regard them as an enemy. Warn them as a brother. You see, friends, discipline, all discipline, should always have at its heart restoration. And scripture is clear in how differences should be tackled. Matthew 18, Jesus tells us that we are to go first to the people. And if they refuse to listen, then we're to take it to the church. And the action that Paul commands here is the final resort. Warn him as a brother. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You see, what true friend 
would not speak into some sin they knew of, of in a brother or a sister, hopefully in a loving and restoring way, not being judgmental. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. I, I have witnessed the hurt and the damage when us here sin and disobedience to God's word has been left unchecked and like a cancer it has just eaten away at the person and at the fellowship. I've also seen the opposite. People being restored following strong loving discipline. These are tricky issues. And Paul is addressing in many ways the whole subject of church discipline, which if we are honest, we can tend to shy away from. And notice how Paul does address it. Yes, he calls for swift and strong action, but all with the desire that it will bring the person back. But see how he also speaks from his own example. Verse 7, you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Well, what example was that, Paul? Well, when Paul and Silas and others were there, they were not idle. They did not eat food without paying for it. Indeed, Paul and others worked night and day, labouring and toiling, so they wouldn't be a burden. As always with Paul, and as we saw with uh, Nehemiah in our studies when, when we were looking through the book of Nehemiah, as with all good leaders, they lead by example. Paul could command this because one, it was from the Lord, and two, he exemplified it in his own life. You see, it is one thing for a leader to rightly speak the authoritative word of God, but he must also lead by example. And that is a challenge and a responsibility that I take seriously. And they could take this, these strong words, this command from Paul, because as we were thinking on last week, they knew that Paul's walk matched his talk. And he commands action to be taken against those who are idle and disobedient. Can I just also say, in relation to his command, that, that if a man will not work, he shall not eat. For, for again, that kind of sounds rather harsh, does it not, at first reading? The Bible teaches us that that work is good. Indeed, from the very beginning, work was part of God's creation plan. Adam was to work and to care for the land. Even before sin entered, it, it was sin that turned it into toil. And as someone who has known what it is to be out of work, and sadly that may indeed will be the case for many due to the economic impact of, of COVID-19. 
What are we to make of, of this command? Well, it seems to me that Paul is addressing here those who were not unable to work, but who were unwilling to work. There's a difference. They were unable to. If you're, not, if you're unable to work, when that is the case, the church has a duty. The church has a responsibility to help those who, who through no fault of their own, find themselves out of work. But, but beware of idleness. Beware of idleness in whatever form. One of my devotionals this week well, was uh, Proverbs 24. A little sleep, a little slumber, a folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You see, friends, the devil will always find use for idle hands. We have seen that this was a church who in the main laboured in and for the gospel. They were a church who loved the word of God and the people of God. Friends, may we in our day and age be such a church. The line from the old hymn comes to mind. Let us labour for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Why? Because time is short and eternity is long. Let us be busy in kingdom work. One final thought as we look at Paul's greeting. Paul's final benediction to them speaks of three of God's greatest gifts to us. His peace, his presence and his grace. He has already spoke much of God's love. Now here it is firstly his peace. Now, now we need to remember just exactly all that they were going through. That they are being persecuted. They have been unsettled. They have got alarmed. Some have become idle. Some have become disobedient. Yet for those who remain true, God promises his peace. We, we were thinking on that on Thursday night from Colossians 3 where, where Paul White writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let it rule. It's a choice. A peace that as Jesus tells us, passes all understanding. A peace not as the world gives. You see, despite everything that is going on, you can know peace. As the old hymn says, peace, peace. In this dark world of sin, the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. One of the other verses goes on to say this. Peace, perfect peace, our future all unknown, Jesus we know, and he is on the throne. Do, do you know that peace this morning? You can do it as you trust and you follow the Prince of Peace. 
what was it that was part of that angelic choir song that heralded the birth of Jesus? They sang glory to God on the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. But there is more. There always is more with God. Because Paul says, the Lord be with all of you. All of you. You see, friends, the Lord will never leave us and the Lord will never forsake us. We can know not just his peace, but we can also know his presence. Indeed, the two are mutually exclusive. To know his presence is to know his peace. And to know his peace is to know his presence. He walks with me and he talks with me. And then he finishes off with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That grace which as the Lord told Paul was sufficient for every need. It is my prayer that everyone listening to this this morning or whenever you're listening to it may know for themselves the peace and the presence and the grace of the Lord Jesus. As we conclude our studies in these two letters, we see that this church was a model church. It's not wasn't a perfect church. No such place exists. But may we learn from their example. As we seek to labour for the Lord, may we hold fast to his word. May the gospel ring out clearly. And may we wait with great excitement and expectation for that day when he either comes or calls us to himself. Lord, we thank you for all that we have learned from these two letters. And we pray that in our day and age, we may see your word spreading rapidly and being honoured. That you, Lord, would enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to be the church that you would have us be. Lord, would you lead us and would you guide us deeper into you and to your word, that we, may, that we may make the gospel widely known for your glory and for the good of all who hear it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's conclude our time this morning by reminding ourselves that Jesus paid it all and it's all to him we owe. And now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever. Amen. Well, can I thank you once again for joining with us this morning. Please do feel free to get in contact 
with us. Details will appear on the screen, but uh, I wish you every blessing in this coming week. Thank you very much. God bless.